to another edition of the Business of Fun podcast. I'm your host, Dave Wakeman, and this is my opportunity to talk to people in the world of events, experiences, and entertainment about the challenges and opportunities of creating memories for others. My guest today is Isabella Balsametti. Isabella is COO of Ingresso Facile, which translates in English to easy ticketing. Isabella is from Brazil, and she works with many of the premier soccer teams in Brazil. She is involved heavily in concerts and promotions, and her company has started to take on a holistic approach to the way that they deliver events and provide services for their clients. It's interesting talking to Isabella because Brazil is unlike most other markets in the world. From my experience talking to people about the Brazilian market, some of the challenges there are unsurpassed anywhere else in the world. Uh, From taxes, from the laws, from the way the accounting is handled, um, to so much. I think that you'll learn a lot from Isabella. I think her perspective, as someone who has to work really hard to change a culture to find ways to generate revenue, to overcome many bureaucratical challenges, and operate in an environment that is really unique will provide you all with some insight. So without any more ado, here's Isabella. Isabella, thank you for being on the Business of Fun podcast. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Oh, great. Now, uh, thank you for being here today. I um, thought it would be really exciting to have someone from a international market on to talk about what you're doing around experiences. Because as somebody who gets a chance to travel and deal with uh, ticketing people and experiences all over the world, I sometimes get to see the best in both of, of both sides. And one of the things that we've talked about over maybe the last six or eight months has been the, your goal of evolving your business into more, not just a ticketing company, but one who uses data and beacons and experiences to bring people closer together, to closer to the events that you're having in Brazil. So I want to start out by asking you a little bit about, um, you know, what are you up to as far as experiences? Because I know you've been working, I think you said you mentioned you were working on a cool project with Heineken where you're using data and apps and beacons as a way to follow customers and create better experiences for them. Yeah. Uh, what, what my goal is to uh, deliver not, not just only the ticketing in the access control, but experience to the customers and uh, to the sponsors of the event. So uh, with this uh, big, it's not one event, it's like a series of events. So we developed like a loyalty program for uh, those college kids that uh, they have like two, three parties every weekend. And uh, with that, we, we can um, deliver more uh, value to the, to the sponsor. So for instance, we can make the kid that bought the ticket download the app for the gamification and he has to complete steps so, like after or three or four steps, he can uh, either uh, get a beer, a free beer on event, or after four or five events, he can have a free ticket for another event. 
And what we want to do is duplicate that model for different kinds of events. So the producer can come up to me and um, ask for a specific app for that sponsor. Yeah. And, and what, what, what I find interesting about this is that it's really integrated with your sponsor, right? In this case, it's Heineken. Yeah. Because of what a lot of organizations everywhere in the world are having a, a similar problem with is, number one, um, discovery of the event, right? Like um, people not understanding what, you know, how to get people into the venue. And then the same thing is is that rising prices, right? I did a uh, recent study, and it showed about 75% of consumers are either, uh, you know, they're curtailing some of their attendance just because of price or difficulty of attending event or whatever. So one of the ways that you can combat that, too, is by working more closely with sponsors. Um, you know, so I'm so kind of curious as far as, like, working with the sponsors and knowing that you're trying to really integrate this thing and create... Um, real connections and real opportunities for your sponsors to know their consumers a lot better is, you know, how, you know, how, what is the value for the sponsor? You know, what are they specifically seeing when they talk to you about this and, and why have they been either receptive or are willing to have conversations with you about this? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure in the States how it works, but here in Brazil, uh, what they want is whatever information that, they can have for the people that goes to the event. So the more we have, the, the happier the sponsor will be. So for instance, uh, we're doing another event here in Brazil. It's like, um, oof, I, I don't think there's nothing like that in America. It's called, uh, it, it's an event that the, the architects and, uh, uh, I, I don't even know how to name that, but imagine like an empty house with every room in each room, one act architect decorates this, that room and he has his name on it and all the furniture and the, the makers of the furniture, they have the names on it. They want to sell, you know, they, they want to, to, um, advertise their name. So it's a major event. It's a very important event. So, so they don't know who goes to their, the, the, the rooms. So for that, what we do is we're putting like, a, imagine like a, a small screen with a, with a reader and the guy that goes into the room and is interested in that architect, he scans his ticket there, you know, and we know that the guy was there. But to make the guy, you know, touch his uh, ticket on that reader, we have to, to make him interested to do that. So that's where the gamification comes in. So it's like, oh, and the gamification says, go to that stand and uh, put your, your ticket on the reader, you know, for if you're interested on it, obviously. But... Uh, with that, we have so much information and we have information whoever was there. And that's also where the beacons comes in and we can, you know, cross all the information and see who was where. And with that, we have like the, all, all the information with the people that was in that room and what was the age of the people that was there and what well, you know, like 
and we can cross with other events that he was uh, once bought a ticket where you know it's like we can cross everything. So we we have we have can have more um, value to the to the Spencer, you know. Yeah. So it sounds to me that one of the key principles is it's opt in versus opt out, right? Which is um, for digital marketing kind of a gold standard. It's also the idea that you're going to offer something of real value. You're not just going to sort of um, exactly. maybe, tri- maybe trick people into giving you um, access to their data or to their information. So there has to be like a real interest, you know, which is where opt-in and opt-out comes out. And it's a, um, you know, and it's all tied into like really unique experiences. So, which which I think is great because I think it's a lot of times a missed opportunity just because if you manage according to a spreadsheet or you are using more of these opt-out techniques, the challenge of creating value is not necessarily as relevant to you. Um, you know, so that's very interesting. Um, but the, the the question that kind of popped to my mind was when, as you were talking about everybody in Brazil wants as much data and as much access to data as they can possibly get. I know that in the States, we have data all over the place, and one of the challenges really is to make the data useful. And so, you know, as a partner to the companies and the sponsors, how do you help make sure that the data that they're receiving is useful? Is there any kind of tricks or any things that you put in place to help these organizations not only just collect the data, but actually do something with it? Uh, We try to uh, work closely with them and uh, to make sense of all those data. With soccer clubs that we do loyalty programs, it's tougher, you know, because they, they, um, they, they don't think with their minds, they think with their hearts, you know. So sometimes it's very hard for them to uh, be on a straight line with a plan, so if a, a, the team loses or wins, that that makes a major gap on their plan. You know, they they go desperate and say they think that they have to do something different. But um, and the data that we have, it's so simple to use, and they're so you know like very very uh, ideas that doesn't cost anything, and people just don't think about it. Can you imagine that uh, you know? Uh, you know the 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 birthday of of whoever bought the ticket, and if the the that guy is like celebrating their birthday on the event, why don't show some appreciation and send just a message or have the if it's a concert, why don't you have like a, a recorded message with the with the artist saying happy birthday to whatever you know. And, and, you know, too simple. It doesn't cost anything, you know. Um, it's funny because I think it was the second episode I did of this uh, podcast was I talked to a guy called Martin Gameltoff, which I think you probably met Martin because when we were in, in England together. Mm-hmm. And, and we were talking about just that specific thing, except for he used the example of his mom and how his mom would travel to the opera. And she would travel all over the world to go to the opera and how simple it was to take a small piece of data, like you said, knowing that there's a concert or a game or an event on a person's birthday and just taking that data and populating it in and putting it on your screen or something and having a flash and say, Hey, it's, it's happy birthday, Isabella, happy birthday, Dave, or, 
um, understanding that, you know, maybe having the ability to identify your seat and like, you know, sending somebody by from guest services to say, hey, look, it's we know it's your birthday. Here's a coupon for a free beer or a hot dog or popcorn or, you yeah. know, here's a T-shirt, right? Like or something, any anything. It doesn't matter. And anything, It, it yes. really brings you them closer to your, your venue, your team, your organization, whereas – in the states, so much of that is monetized, right? They want you to get, they want to get fifty dollars for or whatever they charge you to put your name on the jumbotron, which to me seems um, a little backwards because you know if you took the data and you know you have the data of the person, put the name on the scoreboard for free because that, the the value you're going to gain over the lifetime of the customer is going to be far exceed exactly. fifty dollars. It's probably going to. Um, there's very few things like I figure if you get five or 10 to one return on your investment, you've done a fantastic job. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that if you put somebody's name proactively on the scoreboard and say happy birthday or give them a beer or something, you're likely going to get 25 or more to one, you know, on, on the cost of whatever you spent, which again, a missed opportunity for a lot of people. So it's, yeah, it's, but you have to imagine the guy chose to spend his birthday on your event, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, like he has to get something. That's well, he, I, mean, I, I like the way you said has because I mean he doesn't you know um, he doesn't have to get anything but he also doesn't have to spend his birthday with you or you know she doesn't have yeah. to come and like celebrate a bachelorette exactly. party or whatever it has to be it's um you know it really is a missed opportunity and I, I think that's like a theme that's come up over you know just the first dozen episodes of this thing or so is like there's a lot of missed opportunities that if you are empathetic and um, maybe even a little thoughtful, you'll capture. And the difference in your business will be tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I want to um, explore the idea, though, that the, one of the things that we kind of were having batting back and forth um, over the last couple weeks before we even decided to do this podcast was um, how you're ch- kind of changing your business um, from one that's just like tickets and technology, to one that also includes experiences because I know one of the things that's awesome when I talk to you is that like you have uh, and your company services most of the soccer clubs in Brazil and Brazil being one of the soccer mad countries in the world um, you know it's really I, I would imagine that the ability to create experiences that would be profitable for you and your partners would be not easy because none of it's easy, but like there would be many opportunities and like what you can do would be great. Um, you know, so what, what have been some of the things you've been working on so far as far as experiences well, we, go? What we're trying to do is like, besides the ticketing and the access control, we, we are, we have two concessions of two arenas here in Brazil. So we can cross all that, you know, so we have the, um, all the, those, uh, Food, food uh, stands in the arenas. We 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 have to manage all the arenas. So everything there, we have the ability to do anything we want. So we can cross all the information. So um, the arenas are not as um, you know, with all those screens that you have in America, it's not that um, let's say developed. But because we're free to put, you know pretty things so people would destroy everything here in Brazil, <laughs> like all those, you know, hooligans in the games. But anyway, uh, there's something that we can do, some things that are easy to do. Like, let's say that there's there's this game here on uh, Wednesday 
which is Valentine's Day here in Brazil. So what we want to do is like, um, you know, what we did is like whoever bought the ticket for a certain area of the, the game on Wednesday will get a, a free ticket for the girlfriend or boyfriend, whatever, you know. And so and uh, another thing is when uh, we know that somebody's birthday we can invite those people to go to the, the side of the field to watch the game from there, or at least part of the game from there, you know. And for, for uh, like 20,000 people that are watching the game, there are 12 people that, that's birthday on that day, you know. So it's an easy thing to do. It's not complicated. And, and what it sounds like to me is that one of the – one of your competitive advantages, one of the things that you have um, managed is like you control the entire experience. So from the ticketing yeah. to the concessions to yes. the on, you know, the on pitch or in arena experience. And yeah. that allows you to bring data from all the different data points together. So you kind of have a greater yeah. understanding of who the customer is. And then you use and nothing that you we've talked about, even with the example of um, Heineken or with the game, games in the arenas in the fields is anything that's expensive, right? Like yeah, everything, every, so far you have not used yeah. anything where you're making an additional investment that you might not have already made, which is exactly. great because I'm not sure if you have the data for this, but let's say in the case of somebody who you, you know it's their birthday or at a special occasion, you give them the opportunity to experience part of the match from field level. Mm-hmm. What is the return rate on that? Like, how many? You know, have you been able to follow the person, the customer, and to see how how their their buying habits change, or how their connection to the club or to the event changes? And you know, does it lead to increased buying habits or change buying habits or anything like that? Um, uh, we, I, I try because I need the club to do that. You know, and I asked the club to do that for. You know, we chose uh, like 10 guys that we, we could do that. And I'm still waiting for the response of the clubs, you know, to see if whatever happened. Like I know the guys, those guys that, that uh, went on their birthday on the game, I know that they buy and The difference here in Brazil is like people have to buy a single ticket every game. There's no season ticket here in Brazil. No, it, it, there is, but not the same way as in America. But so I know that those guys bought the ticket for every game. They go to every game. You know, they're they're really fans of the club. And so even if it doesn't necessarily change their buying habits, right? Like, which I know we're waiting on the data to get that. Just knowing that these were some of your best fans likely encourages their continuing to buy tickets for every game because they're going to feel like, oh my God, the, the, it's not just like I'm buying the tickets and I go and have a good time with my friends. I buy the tickets, I go to the game, and the club recognizes the fact that I go to every game and they're willing to reward me. Um, at least that's what it sounds like to me. I wanted to talk for just a moment or two about the challenges and opportunities of selling experiences and events in Brazil, because I know the market is really unique compared to many other markets around the world. So 
if you could maybe just lay out, you know, one or two of the big opportunities that you see for people, you know, for your business or just people in general in Brazil, and then maybe one or two of the challenges that you're still uh, struggling with. Okay. Uh, the challenges here. Um, for instance, we have uh, games every day of the week here in Brazil. And most of the clubs don't have season ticket. So we sell the ticket uh, on, like for today, we were selling a ticket for a game on Wednesday. So there's not much we can do about it. You know, there's no time for anything. So that's a major challenge here. Uh, we're trying to change that. And with loyalty programs and stuff like that, we can, you know, there's some kind of um, plans that we can add a season ticket into it. But it's still a big challenge because there's no time for anything. And that's one thing that, that, that bothers me a lot. And opportunities here, there's so many opportunities here in Brazil. There's so much space to grow. Uh, we, uh, we're now changing the way people are buying the tickets. Uh, people used to buy everything on the, um, on the box office. And now people are buying it through the internet, through the app. And it's so much better. People are, you know, like, really trusting now that they can buy through the app and walk into the turnstile with the cell phone and the QR code on the cell phone. And it's, it's working. Like I have 10,000 people walking in with the cell phone and every game at least. And, and it's working. And, and what's interesting here, and I know that this is, you know, we're, we're talking on a podcast now, but we've talked about this probably I think countless times before is about the challenge of you have just too little time to sell your inventory, which to mm -hmm. me does a couple things, right? Number one, it increases the likelihood that people won't be able to go, right? Um, because, you know, it's tough to plan a day or two in advance a lot of times. Number two, it probably has a negative uh, influence on price, right? Because if you're selling everything within a window of 48 hours, that really doesn't create the, um, Uh, the environment for people to spend, you know, premium, you know, even what market value for the pro the price, uh, the product would be, um, you know, and, and then the third thing is, is that you brought up was the idea that now people have a, a embraced technology. And I think probably that leads me to one more interesting question that, that I've had because we've talked about this and it's a big issue for people all over the world. Um, you know, more so now than at any point in time that I've recognized was, um, you have had StubHub come into the market over the last couple months, right? And mm -hmm. obviously they're technology driven. And one of the challenges you said as far as like, irregardless of whether or not you like the secondary market, dislike the secondary market, feel like it's awful or great or whatever, is um, the ability for people to embrace and trust digital solutions. Um, you know, what has encouraged people to embrace technology and, you know, use technology either on the primary or the secondary side? And then where can you still see it go, go you know, grow? Because it, it, most markets have long since adapted digital ticketing or some kind of mobile platform for their ticketing. So it's like a little unique that 
um, you're still just getting into that sort of, um, you know, on the up, upside of the bell curve as far as um, adaptation of technology. And that was probably uh, a lot for, for instance, me to ask. That was like a really, like, yeah. that was a mouthful. <laughs> that was not the, the most elegant question I've ever asked. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the technolo- technology part. Um, people, I think people now are, uh, are, you know, they have better phones. And now we have better internet here in Brazil. It's easier to use. So people just are using it, you know, and, and they, they, they trust my companies. Like we've been in the market for the past 30 years. So when we say something is good, it's good. You know, it's like, don't worry. You're going to walk into the stadium with your cell phone. That's it. And so that's something that, uh, uh, it's working. So we have to, to find something new after that, you know? So, um, what else did you ask? It was too much. StubHub, yeah. uh, the and secondary I, and market. And I was asking StubHub just because of the, you know, I know that that was a challenge that we talked about was because their technology solution and people not being so used to using technology all the time. Um, you were having issues with people trusting the digital ticketing experience, and that was playing out because they were had been using StubHub, and it wasn't because yeah. it was. Um, it wasn't because there was anything wrong with the ticket. It was just because people didn't have a comfort level with technology. Yeah. It's like StubHub. I, I don't know uh, how they're doing here in Brazil. It's like secondary market here in Brazil. It's a, uh, it's a, you know, it's a gray area. Uh, people still find it like uh, it's a black market. So I, I don't want to even get into that. I don't know how they're doing in Brazil. It's like, for me, it's not a problem. There's no time for people just to sell, buy a ticket with me and then sell it in StuffHub. That's, that's not a problem for me, you know? And what else did you ask before that? Oh, no. The, and, and really what I was curious was, was that was as a, as a technology solution. And, you know, because I know that one of the promises that is often made um, for the, the secondary market, at least in the States, is always that, the technology has been better than the technology you've received on the primary side. So knowing that, you know, StubHub had come in with a technology solution and then knowing that there was a slow, um, slower adaptation rate, which sounds like as the infrastructure and the hardware and the software that's available in Brazil has improved, you've had, it wasn't so much that people didn't want to embrace the technology. It was that the tools that you had available to weren't allowing them to have a good experience. Um, maybe you know, maybe I'm wrong, but as you, as you said, the faster internet, um, better phones, all of these things have improved your ability to have people embrace technology a lot. So I was curious about um, you know how that would pl- how that was playing out for you because you know yeah, it's like the, the problem was on the problem wasn't on my side. The problem was on the people side. Like on my side, we have the QR code turnstiles. We have hybrid turnstiles that we uh, either read QR code or uh, RFID, mm-hmm. my fair cards. So we have both. So, uh, and, and then on the other side, people would just have to, you know, use the app and download the ticket on the app. So the, the same way people um, got used to doing that for flights, you know, so they just download the app and then put the 
the their ticket on their wallet on the on the phone, same way it works on soccer. Yeah. And people just got used to it, and now it's using. It's, it's great. Yeah. And, and so, let me ask you one more question before, because I don't, I want, I don't want to keep you too long here. Um, but you talked about always looking for what's next, right? And and part of it's what you talked about is technology, and you talked about wrapping the experience involved. You know, so, and I know that you are always. Maybe mainly it's because maybe we talk a lot about this stuff is looking for what's next and like always looking for pushing the next thing, you know, so like after yeah. the technology and after the experiences, where, what are, what are some of the things you're looking at next to continue to make sure that you're pushing the industry forward? What, what I want, like my dreams, like I want to find the easiest way for people to buy the ticket and have the experience and do everything the easiest possible way and the way that we can cross everything and put in the app um, the sponsor part and make everything uh, grow together, you know, and that's that's my next goal. And I think I'll be reaching it by the end of this year. No, that that's great, and and I guess that that does open up one more question because I did have it marked down before when we were talking about um, the complete integration of you into um, all aspects of the experiences. Um, you know, is how are you going to make sure that just because when you have the entire experience under one roof, that you're going to not take that for granted, and that you're going to continue to push and evolve the experience so that it continues to be great. Oh, that's a tough question. I have no way no to easy questions that. here. No easy no, questions. No, no, no. You know how innovation, right? How are you going to make sure you you don't just get the entire you know the entire uh, kit and caboodle, and then you you know you forget to innovate? You know, what, are there any internal um, processes that you've created, or any kind of um, checks and balances besides talking to me to make sure that you're not <laughs> <laughs> not neglecting? <laughs> Like I, I'm trying to, uh, you know, uh, I just I just look at the internet and see what's new, and try to find out what people are doing, and you just try to think outside the box. You know, I was like, what can I do to make it better? I go to the events. I, I don't sit behind a desk. I go to the events. I I'm an alternative side watching what people are doing. I like. And I'm on the box office, watch how the experience is going. And that's how we find out what can we do better, you know? No, no, that's great. And that's one of the things that I see as a challenge for a lot of places um, is if you don't spend enough time connected to your customer, understanding your customer, talking to your customer, seeing what they're dealing with, it makes it pretty easy for you to make decisions and have uh, make assumptions even that are just inaccurate or that are just tone deaf. So, you know, knowing that you um, have spent a lot of time both dealing with customers and dealing directly with people so you understand exactly what the process looks like, but then also stealing ideas and taking ideas from all over the place, you know, and that's really refreshing to hear because, again, if I'm – if I'm being honest, like this is a fairly new process of the podcast, but one of the th- key ideas that's come up from a lot of different people is more willingness and more uh, focus on 
using ideas that don't necessarily come from a traditional route. And so that's really nice to hear that that's something that's like built into the core of what you do because, again, it's not everywhere. Yeah. And so before I let you go, how can people find you if they want to learn um, more? If uh, either in LinkedIn or they want to know more about my company, it's very complicated, Ingresso Facil. <laughs> dot com dot br as brazil okay perfect and and i what i'll do then is i will link to your the ingresso facile uh website and i'll link, put a link to you on uh linkedin in the show okay. notes um any any last notes before we go uh it was great talking to you and i hope my english wasn't too broken it's been a while that i don't speak english so uh, I give you I a good, a good, get... a good chance to always practice your English. And my audience, they're yeah, very, yeah. hopefully they're very, they're very forgiving. They're, they're very, they're a very uh, um, uh, understanding group. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to do this. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to the Business of Fun. If you'd like to find out more about me, you can visit my website. It's www.davewakeman.com. You can also follow me on Twitter. That's at David Wakeman. If you have a comment, a question, a concern, or an idea, please feel free to email me. It's Dave at DaveWakeman.com. And if you really dig the podcast and you like what we're doing, I'd love for you to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast, and to subscribe and get a, and also leave a rating. So until next time, take care. <laughs>